Thank you all. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm looking for a breakthrough this morning. Uh, I don't, I don't, I hope, I pray that I never get past that point of knowing that there's still something God wants to teach me and show me and ways that he wants to expand me and grow me. Um, it's because I'm up here doesn't mean I'm looking for any less of a breakthrough than some of you are. So uh, I'm just praying that God will speak to your hearts. I'll be honest, uh, as Brett was praying, I just found myself, I, don't, I know uh, not everyone here is sports people, so maybe this doesn't make sense to you, but last night... Uh, guy from Abilene Christian goes to the free throw line with 1.2 seconds down one point against Texas, major underdog, 59% free throw shooter. That's uh, not very good, big moments. And as he stood there on the free throw line, he stares at the rim, and the crowd's going crazy, and the people in the line are going crazy, and the ref's trying to get him the ball, and he never takes his eyes off the rim. They throw him the ball. Make. Another manette, really clean. Never moves his eyes from the rim. And you could just see the weight of the world on him. And he knew, I'm inadequate for this moment. I'm not the guy my coach would have chosen to put on the free throw line right here. And he stepped up and made the second one. They win, big upset, crazy stuff. And you say, well, what in the world are you talking about, Dusty? Um, man, the spirit is here. The Spirit is moving, and I am probably a little bit less than a 59% free throw shooter standing in front of you. Not the guy the coach would have chosen, but I'm the guy who's here. And so I just want to come through clutch for my Savior this morning and, and say what He's laid on my heart. Uh, but it's a burden. It's a big moment. Eternities lie in the balance. And I need to pray. So let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we love you. We thank you that, God, you use us in spite of our shortcomings and inadequacies to do, God, works that affect eternity. Not just a tournament, not just a moment, a day, but, God, an eternity. And, Lord, I pray, God, more than anything else this morning, that I will just stay out of your way and that your spirit will move uh, that I'll be hidden behind the cross and that people will do business with you, God. And Lord, we thank you that the God of the universe desires to have a relationship with sinful man. And Lord, I just pray that at the end of the day that we'll celebrate not like national champions, but God, like the angels celebrate when one lost soul comes to know you. We give you praise for what you do and how you do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Been a lot going on these last few weeks, and it's been a hard time, difficult time. It's been a time that you've probably been asking yourself lots of questions, and you're examining your heart, and I think people across our town, our community, our county, uh, who have been impacted by a great tragedy, um, find themselves really looking into what do I believe, why do I believe it, and how strongly do I believe it. And so um, a question that, that keeps coming back to me that I believe a lot of people ask in times like this is, 
how can I know what the truth is and how can I know that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing and how do I know ultimately that I am even a Christian? I know that I'm a church member, I know I'm a church goer, but am I in the faith? And I think it's a fair question. I think it's a good question. And honestly, church, I think it's a question that we all should ask ourselves from time to time. I think it's biblical to examine our hearts in view of Scripture and in view of the Holy Spirit and see whether we're in the faith, and if we are, what can we do differently to expand our impact, and if not, then let's correct that. So if you have your Bible this morning, turn me to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to actually be in a couple different places, but we're going to start in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. I love the rustle of pages in the Bible. You don't get that from your cell phones, guys. I'm sorry. but And I use mine a lot, too, for that. But something special about hearing people turn in their Bible. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I don't believe it is God's desire for us to have questions, or, or, or I, think it's, I think it is God's desire for us to examine ourselves, but not to live in wonder, not to live in fear. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Have I done enough? Have I not done enough? Listen, it comes down to what have you done with Jesus Christ? He says, I have written these things so that you can know, not that you can believe, not that you can hope, but that you can know that you have eternal life. I believe that it is incredibly difficult, dare I say impossible, to be effective in Christ while we're trying to figure out where we stand with Christ. He wants us to know where we stand with Him so that we can go out and make a difference for Him. So what are these things? It says, I've written these things that you may know. What are these things? Well, I was thinking about 1 John 5.13 as I was preparing for this message, and then I went back to look at, well, what are these things that he has written so that we can know? And it was tough. I thought, man, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if the church is ready for this. I know that this is part of the message that Brother Clayton shared um, at the funeral. And... I don't know, God, that's a lot. That's heavy. That's too soon. But I think it's what we need. I've written these things so that you can know. What are these things? Verses 11 and 12. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. And he that does not have the Son of God does not have life. Those are the things that are written. Do you have the Son of God? Do you have Jesus? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Has His Spirit bore witness with your spirit that you are His? Have you put your faith and your trust 
in Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm not asking if you've prayed a prayer. I'm not asking if you've walked an aisle. I'm not asking if you've been dunked in a baptistry pool. Do you have the Son? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you walk with your spirit bearing witness with the Holy Spirit? Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. But have you truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Now, I've talked to a lot of people over the years who, you know, they, they've been out of church for a long time. And they say, man, you know, I've got kids and now I want to raise them in church because there's so many good things being taught by the church. And so they begin to come back to church and their kids begin to come back to church. And, and that's a good thing. That's not salvation. Salvation is a commitment not to the church, but to the Son of God. It's a commitment to Jesus Christ. Have you ever surrendered and made Him the Lord of your life? Maybe you've heard it said. I've heard it said many times. We talked some of, the, uh, some of this on Wednesday night. And, um, but maybe you've heard it said, you know, well, I'm going I'm to live for Jesus. And I'm going to go to church because if I'm wrong, then, you know, I missed out on some fun here on this earth. But if, if other people are wrong, then they've missed out on heaven. And I'm telling you, I believe that, that is a terrible, terrible mindset. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you that it's anti-biblical. Uh-oh. Some of you say, well, I said that last week to somebody. It's okay. I'm not mad at you. But we're going to try to bring what we believe and what we think and what we say in line with the Word of God. Here's what the Word of God says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, it says, in this, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If you are doing your best to live a Christian life here on this earth, but there's no power in the Holy Spirit and there is no true salvation, and you're doing it for your 20, 30, 40, 60, 90 years here on this earth, then you, the Bible says, are of all men, of all women, most miserable. Not because being, living a Christian life is miserable, but if this is all there is, and I don't have assurance that someday I'm going to heaven, then why put in the energy and the effort and the time to trying to be a good and religious and spiritual person? If this is it. And what I mean by that is if I don't have assurance, not just if I don't have, well, maybe that's true, maybe it's not, but if I don't know, that there's a payoff. If I don't know that there's heaven for me, then why go through this? Why do it? Why come to church every Sunday? Why tithe? Right? I mean, if there's no, if there's no God and there is no heaven, then there is certainly no reason for me to give 10% of my money to the church. We do that not for the impact here. Yes, the church does good things, but we do that for the impact that it has on the kingdom of God. I've lost some of you. Sorry. 59%, remember? Look, 
I'm not trying to discourage. I'm trying to do the exact opposite. I want you to understand that religion will not satisfy you. You want to know why people leave the church? It's not because of the preacher, most of the time. Not when they leave the church. Sometimes they... Anyway, I caught myself. But people leave the faith, it's usually because they don't see the end game. They, they don't know. I, how can I know? How do I know I'm not wasting my time? How do I know that there is something bigger? Religion in itself is, leaves you burned out, tired, beat down, discouraged. And eventually you say, eh, it's not worth it. But a relationship with Jesus Christ does the exact opposite. It gives you hope when there is no hope. It gives you peace when there is no peace. It gives you uh, 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 vigor and life and energy to do things when you might be tired and not feel like it. Religion will not and cannot satisfy you. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And so this morning, as we examine ourselves, how can I know I'm in the faith? Why am I doing what I'm doing? We're going to look at an, an example, and me and, me and uh, Stuart have had a pretty good conversation about this this week, um, but we're going to look at a story in Acts chapter 5. So turn over there with me. I know I kind of jumped to 1 Corinthians pretty quick, but Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we're going to read a story of some people who were depending on religion, and they found it lacking and I believe that this is very similar to the modern day church many times. Very similar to where maybe all of us have been at some point or another. Acts chapter 5. Alright, Acts chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And they kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. And they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours later when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord, Behold the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door, and shall carry you out also. Then, fear, or, then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. And so... As Stuart and I uh, discussed this this week, you know, there's, there's some teaching that, well, you know, did God strike them dead? Did they die of a heart attack because their sins had been found out? Did they die? What caused it? Listen, I'm not going to address all that this morning. Okay? Here's what I know. 
Ananias and Sapphira had watched all these other people come and they had sold everything that they had and they had given it to the church and they said, man, we just want to see God's word proclaimed and we want to see people saved and we want to see people impacted. We'll give everything. We can live together. We'll meet each other's needs and we just want to serve God. And Ananias and Sapphira said, wow, look at those guys. They're so committed and look at how people react. Every time someone goes and, and they lay that sacrifice down, the people cheer and they get excited and they take it and they use it for something good. Man, doesn't that look awesome? Wouldn't you like to be a part of something like that? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's, let's do that. And then they sell their land and they get a large lump of money and they say, whoa, that's a lot of money. How about this? How about we give them like 75%? It doesn't tell us. I'm kind of taking a little liberty, okay? I want to tell you when I'm doing that so you don't think I'm false teaching you. Let's, let's take about 75%. We'll give them 75%. We'll hold back 25%. In case, this, in case this whole commune thing doesn't work out, we're not completely broke. We still got a little money to fall back on. Hey, that's a good idea because then we can be spiritual. We can look the part. But we can keep what's, what, what we need just in case. So they bring it and they lay it before the disciples. They say, all right, here's, here's our money. And, oh, okay. So you sold the land for that amount. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what you got. Okay. I love this question. Listen to this question. I want to read it again. Acts chapter 5, verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own and even after it was sold was it not in your power to do whatever you wanted to do with it why have you conceived this thing in your heart you haven't lied unto men but unto god peter says like look the land was yours god didn't ask you to give it it was yours you wanted to give it and then once you sold it the money was yours. God didn't say you have to give me your whole thing and buy into this, you know, religious community. You said you wanted to because you wanted to look the part. While it was your land, you could have done whatever you wanted with it. When it was your money, you could have done whatever. But you have lied to God. Listen to me, church. The Lord has given you the gift of living in America. The gift of living in Danville, in Yale County, wherever you live. And honestly, He's given you free will. You can do whatever you want with the life He's given you. You can do whatever. You can live for Him. You can live for yourself. You can live for whatever. That's your life. God has given it to you and He's given you free will. Right? But what he doesn't want, he, he, do you think, whether we think God killed Ananias or Sapphira, did they go through the camp and everybody who didn't give anything, did they just wipe them all out? No. So why did these two people die? It wasn't because of what they gave. It wasn't because they gave 75% or 80% or 99%. It wasn't because of what they gave why were they on the wrong side of things with God? 
It wasn't because of what they gave, it was because of what they didn't give. Are you with me? God wants you all in or he wants you all out. He wants you hot or he wants you cold. He doesn't want you lukewarm. He says, you know what, if you choose to live your life that way, that's your choice. If you choose to live your life for Jesus, that's your choice. If you choose to live for your, for your own self, for your own selfish gains, and your own worldly kingdom, that's your choice. But what I really have a problem with is people who have one foot in each side. It's because they wanted to look spiritual and they wanted to look religious. That is what put them at odds with God. It's because they wanted to raise their kids in church because the church teaches good things, but they weren't ready to fully commit themselves to God. Anything less than 100% isn't salvation. That's not what God has called us to. He has called us to abandon our own needs and desires to follow Him. And you say, that, Dusty, that's a scary thing. Absolutely. To trust Him with everything I have is a scary thing. I'll tell you what's more scary. Trusting me with it. Right? Man, it's, it's tough. But God wants us to examine and God wants us to be real. And if we have not surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ... Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we do that. That we go from 80% in to 100% in. And I'm going to tell you right now that if you're 80% in, you need to examine whether you were ever at all in. Or whether what you have is counterfeit. Counterfeit. I'm going to turn one more place and then we're going to kind of bring everything together. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Because here's the deal. Right now is an emotional time in our lives, in our church, in our, in our family. Um, and so there's a tendency to make a decision because something has to be done. We're broken. We're, we're dealing with emotion. We're doing all these things. And, and it, it's easy. It would be easy. And it's one of the things that has weighed on me as I've prepared for this morning is it would be easy to play on your emotions. And talk people who are hurting and broken into committing to something that they really have no intentions of fulfilling. And that is not my goal. That's actually the exact opposite of my goal. I think that has happened many times in many places. You go to, you go some, to a church camp or to an event and there's, the music has just got you stirred up. And then the preacher gets up and says, man, you know, if you just... If you have doubts, if you have fear, I want you just to just come down here and pray this prayer. Did you pray the prayer? Did you pray the prayer? Okay, everyone's saved. Here we go. Salvation for you. Salvation for you. Right? I want you to do the exact opposite this morning. I want you to weigh through the cost of following Jesus. And there should be a cost to following Jesus. I, I know that I will never probably make it uh, to preach at a mega church, all right? I'm okay with that. It's not real prosperity stuff. There's a cost. 
When we follow Jesus, it's not about what we get, it's about what we can give to Him. 10 of the 11 disciples taking Judas out of the mix were martyred for their faith. Not sure where the prosperity thing came in. They died for their faith. The other one had attempted martyrdom, ended up being exiled to a prisoner island. Um, I want you to examine the cost this morning. And then if you don't know that you know that you know, I want you to make a conscious decision. Yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. Or no, I'm not. Because God would rather you be hot or cold. He doesn't want you halfway in. He doesn't want your 80%. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. says, Keep your foot when you go to the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not the evil that they do. Do not be rash with your mouth. Let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and you are upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through the multitude of busyness, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. When you vow a vow, lock in. When you vow a vow to God, do not defer to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which you have vowed. Better is it that you would not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Suffer not your mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it, that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at my voice and destroy the work of my hands? Listen, church. I think what this is saying is don't just halfway, oh yeah, salvation sounds good, I want to be saved. Or, yes, I'm hurting, I'm going to vow to do this for God. Or, you know, we pray sometimes, we deal with God, and, and it's, it's a dangerous game to play. But God, if you'll let me get this job, then I'll do this. Or God, if you let this happen, I'll do this. And then when it happens, we sometimes forget that we made that vow, right? Or, well, God understands that I made that in a sense of urgency. I needed that right then, and I really didn't think it through. Well, let me tell you something. The biggest vow that I ever made to God is when he saved me, I said, God, where you want me to go, I'll go. What you want me to do, I'll do. Who you want me to be, I'll be. I'm going to live for you. I said, God, my life's no longer about Dusty Wright. My life is about Jesus Christ. That is the vow I made. God, if you will save me, if you will give me eternal life, then I will live for you. That was my vow to God. And I believe that's the vow of every single person who's ever been truly saved. It was not Jesus coming to my heart, be a little part of my life. Salvation is a vow to God. Are are y'all with me? Salvation is a vow to God that if you will save me, then I will live for you. But Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, look, don't make a vow unless you're going to keep it. If you make a vow, don't defer to pay it. Now again, that doesn't mean we're never going to make a mistake. But it means that I am committed to Jesus Christ. 
Now, there are some folks here maybe who you've made a decision, you've prayed a prayer, you've walked an aisle, but you've never truly vowed to give God your everything. Listen, this is hard, hard truth. Um, Ecclesiastes 5.5, it is better to not vow than you should vow and not pay. Why do you think it says that? Well, I think God would rather us not play church and not pretend and say, yes, Jesus, I'm all in, except when it comes to my money. Jesus, I'm all in, except if it means that I have to go on a mission trip. Jesus, I'm all in, unless it means that I have to do business with people the right way, because I kind of cut in corners, makes my job a whole lot easier. He's saying, look, don't say you're giving me everything. That's what salvation is. Unless you're going to give me everything. Because I think there's a lot of people lost because they've made an 80% vow to God. God, I'll give you everything except my family. I'll give you everything except this or that. And I'm going to tell you that's not salvation. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you that that is not or that is the worst kind of lost. You see, I think the number one reason that most people aren't saved in American... Let me rephrase what I was going to say. I think there are a lot of lost people that go to church week after week after week after week. And the number one reason that they aren't saved is not because they don't want to be. It's because they don't know they're lost. See, I find that it's really hard for people to be saved until they know they're lost. Why would I be saved if I don't know I'm lost, right? I, I, well, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. I, I did things. And, and I, I think I'm okay. I hope I'm all right. I feel pretty good about my chances. Bless your heart. A lot of people have made a vow to God that they never intended to make. And I believe, and you say, well... How does this go with, uh, once saved, always saved, Dusty, we're a Southern Baptist church. Hey, I believe in the security of a believer, absolutely, 100%. We're not getting doctrinal here this morning, we're getting biblical. I don't think, I I choose not to say once saved, always saved, I choose to say if saved, (laughs) always saved. But the problem is, a lot of people aren't saved and they're counting on once saved, always saved. I prayed a prayer. I'm good. Preacher said so. Evangelist counted me in his numbers. I got the newsletter. Said they had 34,000 people saved that year. Well, good. But how many of them genuinely follow Christ? Because that's what it is. It's not about a one-time thing. It's a, it's, it's a commitment. It's a vow. Are we keeping our vow to God? Now look. Have I messed my vow up in the 30 years I've been saved? Yes, I've messed up at times. I'm not saying that you're not going to. I'm not saying you're not going to feel bad. I'm not saying you're not going to go through a quiet spell, a dry spell. What I'm saying is, do you have the Holy Spirit? Does His Spirit bear witness with your spirit? When you committed yourself to God, did you pray a prayer to feel better? Or did you vow yourself to God, God, I'm going to live for you? Let me tell you something. Some of you, your vow to God isn't strong enough 
to make that public. You prayed one day at home. You oh, okay? I know I need to be saved, but I, going to the front of the church is hard. Look, going to the front of the church is hard. But the Bible says we should confess him before men. Some of you, your vow hasn't been strong enough to uh, urge you to take the next step. What's the next step? For some of you, it's baptism. You've been saved, but you've never been baptized. Or your baptism is on the wrong side of your salvation. What does that mean? Well, it means maybe I made a decision as a kid, and I got baptized. And then I came back later and said, you know what? I, just, I really don't think I was saved. I think I did it. Look, we had a young lady, praise God, we had a young lady saved on Wednesday night. And she said, I prayed a prayer when I was young because my parents wanted me to, and I thought that was the right thing to do, but I don't. I need to be saved. Praise God. Praise God. And I said, all right, awesome. And we, we prayed, we talked. And, man, I, I felt really good. She, she, she prayed a prayer that blew my socks off. She knew what she was doing. She was committing. All in. And we got done. I said, well, what, you know, what do you think about baptism? You know, she goes to another church sometimes. You want to be baptized here? She said, well, you know, I was baptized. I said, whoa, okay, that's good, that's good. But we believe it. You're saved, then you're baptized. And what that is, is it's, a, it's another way of publicly professing. It's not that there's power in that baptistry. It doesn't wash away your sins. It's not holy water. Okay? But it's a way of confessing Christ. What He's done, that I'm being buried with Him, and I'm being raised to a newness of life. Maybe that's your next step. You've made a vow... But you haven't followed through even with that first step. Maybe you've been saved and you've been baptized. But God's calling you to witness to your neighbor, to your friend, to your grandma, to whoever it is. And you just haven't done it. Then that's not a vow of 100%. Well, God, I'll do that. But man, talking to my family about you, that's hard. Man, it is. It is. I can talk to strangers about Jesus all day long. Because when they walk away, I don't care if they like me or not because I'm never going to see them again. But it's hard when it's your family. Because, well, you're judging me with Dusty. I know what you did. I saw you act that way. You're right. It's hard. But are you all in or are you all out? Are you 80%? Are you Ananias and Sapphira? Because that's two people I don't really want to be associated with. What's your next step? I believe we all have a next step. For some of you, your next step is to be saved. This morning, the Spirit's been churning, and you say, man, I need to be saved. Some of you might be saying, well, I need to be saved, but the person sitting next to me is going to be so shocked. Listen, they probably won't be. <laughs> and even if they are, that's okay. That's okay. Because I'll promise you, if they have any spirituality about them at all, they're going to be excited for you. Whether they're surprised or not, they're going to be excited. They would much rather know that someday they're going to spend eternity in heaven with you than think and then someday find out they were wrong. Maybe your next step is baptism. Maybe it's a commitment to witnessing. Maybe it's to surrender yourself to ministry. I don't know what it is. Maybe for some of you, you just need to be reminded that, man, when I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, I didn't just ask him into my heart. I made a vow that I would live for him, and I haven't been doing it. And I, I'm tired of that life. Man, I think all of us Christians sometimes need to do that. Just examine and say, you know what? I, I've not been living up. Jesus always lives up to his end of our vow. 
He always lives up at his end of our agreement, but I haven't been doing it lately. I've been struggling because of things going on in my life. I've been hit hard, and I've just had a bad attitude. I've let sin creep in, and I need to get it right. I'm going to renew my commitment. Look, it's not... That can be a personal thing. It can be a church thing. If that's, what, if that's going to help you be accountable. But maybe your next step is just renewing that. Because God, I know I'm saved. Man, I've been blowing it a lot. Help me get back on the right track. That's okay too. Now this is the last thing as we close up. I want you to take your next step. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to take someone else's next step. You say, well, Dusty, what does that, what does that mean exactly? I told you I want you to examine yourself, right? I don't want you to come down here and do one of those other things because it's more comfortable. I'm not asking you to be comfortable this morning. Actually, I want you to be uncomfortable, okay? What is your next step? And if it's to be saved, don't come down here and recommit something that's never been committed. Don't come down here and say, God, I want to renew my vow. I want to get right. I want to do, I know I'm saved. Look, if you don't know you're saved, get saved. Try that one more time. If you don't know you're saved, get saved. Okay? Amen? Amen? Please? Amen? Maybe? Somebody? And if you do know you're saved, is there a next step for you? Maybe your next step is just to pray right now for someone you know who's struggling. But we all have something we can do. I believe that with all my heart. No matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, Jesus still wants to do business with you. So where do you stand with him? He's written these things so that we can know that we have eternal life. Not so we can hope, not so we can wonder. Do you know? And if you don't know, what better day than today to make sure? I don't believe God gets mad at us for making sure. I think that's what he wants. So I'm going to pray. We'll have a moment of invitation. And uh, if you need to do business with God, the altar's open. If you need to talk to me or, or Stu or whoever, and come grab one of us. We'd love to talk to you, all right? Uh, Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for what you do, for how awesome you are. And Lord, I pray that even through our shortcomings, God, that your spirit will do the work that only your spirit can do. And Lord, I pray that we will be real with you this morning, God. I pray that if we don't have a relationship with you, God, that we will be saved. Lord, I pray that we won't worry about looks, Worry about religion. Worry about comfort. I pray that we will not give you 80%, 90%, 99%, Lord. I pray that we will give you 100% of our lives. God, I pray for my own self. God, that the areas that I've held back, the areas that I've struggled in, Lord, I pray that you will just help me to live up to my vow, to give it to you all, because that's what you deserve. God, you deserve my all plus more. Lord, I just pray that you will work on our hearts and that you'll do a work that only you can get credit for. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand. We'll praise the Lord together. And if you need to talk or you need the altar, come do business with God.